At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's up, everybody? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. Christmas is coming up. This is probably the last episode of the year, and so I potentially save the best for last. Today's episode isn't really much about Preachers and Sneakers. We talk a little bit about it. We talk a little bit about sneaker culture, but I've got my good friend Sarah Spain from ESPN on the pod today to talk all about sports, sports commentary, comedy, you know, being on all these different ESPN shows, her career coming up and interesting viral moments that she's lived through that we could somewhat relate to. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you haven't heard of her, uh, I think you'll be a fan of her after. Um, She's a huge advocate for uh, equal treatment for women in sports and in broadcasting, which is incredibly important. So uh, I'm a huge fan of her and I think you will be too. On this episode, there is a little bit of language, so fair warning if you have small children that usually listen to this pod with, this may not be the best episode for them, but, you know, trying to be as real as possible, so we're keeping it all in there. So again, I appreciate everyone subscribing and listening and sharing all the different podcast episodes this year. I'm incredibly grateful, and I appreciate everyone's uh, support through this weird social project, social media project, maybe. So again, thank you so much. I hope you have a a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and be sure to tune in next year for, I guess we'll call it Season 2 of the Breaches and Sneakers podcast. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Sarah Spain. Today's episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. I've got a uh, fellow sneakerhead, finally, on the pod, and a fellow Chicago Bulls fan. She's also a multi-sport athlete. She went to Cornell. Ever heard of it? Uh, She went through Second City. Uh, She's been on pretty much every sports network out there. My friend Sarah Spain is on the podcast today. Thanks for making the time, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So... To some people, this may be a little random, but I think once we get into it, people will understand. Um, And you and I started talking a little bit last year because I think you started following the account. And I was like, hey, look at this verified person. Yeah, my friend my friend pointed it out and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And uh, and then we started kind of started going back and forth. And we can get into that a little bit um, because you are a sneakerhead. And so you can probably appreciate some of the price tags here. Um, (laughs) but for people that don't know, do you mind giving a little background about, uh, you know, sports and then entertainment comedy, and then maybe into what you do at ESPN now? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a radio host and TV personality and writer for ESPN. So I have a nightly, uh, weeknight radio show nationally, Spain and Fitz, and then a podcast. That's what she said with Sarah Spain. And then I do 
a show called Around the Horn on TV, usually twice a week, um, highly questionable occasionally, Levitard show, Sports Center, Outside the Lines, all sorts of different ESPN properties. And then I write a bunch for ESPNW and uh, .com. I was a heptathlon at Cornell and an English major who wanted to be on Saturday Night Live, still do, still the dream job. Heck yeah. Uh, so after college, I moved out to LA hoping to be a comedian and actress. And What's uh, the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? You work at a restaurant for a while and people <laughs> yell at you a lot. Um, and uh, one guy throws a chair. But um, yeah, and then uh, and then I kind of married my love of sports and I went and did the, the whole Second City Conservatory. So took sort of my love of entertainment and hosting and presenting um, and comedy and married it with my sports background and found my way into the sports world, which has been pretty awesome. Yeah. And I imagine for a lot of people, you have seemingly the dream job for guys and girls, uh, but it's kind of random as well. Like Cornell, you're incredibly smart and interested in, uh, you majored in English, right? It's, if your Wikipedia is correct. Yes. Uh, and then you head to LA to do entertainment and, uh, did you immediately get into Second City? What was that whole experience like? Because one thing to me, uh, comedy is like my favorite thing. And I think it's such a service to people because life freaking sucks uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. It. We yeah. need it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I was super involved with a ton of stuff growing up. You know, I was all state and band in chorus and I played basketball field, hockey track. Like I was, I was constantly doing stuff and my Jeez. parents aren't super into sports, which people are always surprised to hear about. So Growing up, first of all, there were so few women in the sports world that I didn't see it and think that's what I want to do. So I didn't even until literally my mid-20s when a teacher in a hosting boot camp where I hosted a fake Chicago Bears show just to practice throwing to commercial break. She was like, oh, you want to work in sports? And I was like, oh, no, there's no women in sports. And the few that are are either like supermodels on the sidelines or like very serious so that people think they know what they're talking about. Uh And I want to be entertaining and do comedy and whatever. And you know, the teacher was like, well, maybe there's a space for that. And then I was like, well, let's try to make one. Um, it literally didn't occur to me. It wasn't like, I was like, women can't do that because that has never stopped me before. It was, (laughs) it didn't occur to me. And I think also like being a a girl growing up, I was obsessed with Michael Jordan and the bulls. Mm -hmm. And so for like Christmas, I would ask for VHS tapes because I'm old or, um, books or a variety of like literally anything and everything. Jordan is what I wanted. But that didn't really translate to people seeking me out to talk about sports the way that it might for a boy. Yeah. But I didn't have teachers or family members like, you know, if, if the game was on and everyone was over for, for Christmas, they might say, oh, you know, what's going on with the Bulls? Oh, they just lost to whatever, yada, yada. But it was very different, I think, than growing up being a boy who loves sports in terms of how people facilitate and foster that. So yeah. it was always just this is a thing I like, not a thing you work at, not a thing you can do for a job. Um, and I felt the same way about comedy for most of growing up. It was there, like, there's no playbook for it. And I'm such a kiss ass, like follow the rules, like tell me what to do. And then I'm going to do it the best I can kind of person. Really? Yeah. Like I I'm not super entrepreneurial. I would like to be more outside the box, but I'm really good at somebody else telling me what the job is and then trying to crush it, whether that's school or a test or an assignment or work. Um, and so it was really hard to leave Cornell and just move to LA and be like, okay, so, so um, me I have to decide what to do. Yeah. I literally found a book that was like how to be an actress. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's follow whatever this book says. Cause there wasn't um, like, there wasn't all the YouTube people like, Hey, here's how you get picked up in LA. Well, totally. And then also, you know, going to school somewhere 
where a lot of my colleagues were headed to like a three three year GE program where like you start in this class of people at GE who are working their way up or uh-huh. in finance where there's a whole, there's like 30 first year finance people at Goldman Sachs and yeah. they're almost like another freshman year. That's not how it worked. And so there was no path. And so um, it just took me a while of wandering. And then once once I kind of combined all those things, I, it was the same class. I, I was taking a bunch of classes in comedy and acting and other stuff because I did sports in college as well. And so acting and the school play and all those things were always at the same time as sports. Um, so I took a class. And then in that same boot camp, the teacher said, you know, if you want to be a TV host, the best thing to do is to get into improv and to understand what it is to listen when you're interviewing and respond and act on the fly. And I had always loved going to improv and, of course, obsessed with Saturday Night Live. And so that sent me to Second City, which I think really helped my sports career, because one of the first jobs I did, I took a bunch of the ideas from that and interviewed athletes about dumb stuff like you know, Carlos Zambrano of the Cubs destroyed the Gatorade. Cooler. I saw that video. So, of that yeah, I interviewed all the players the cooler. about the cooler going on the IR and like he's a really important part of their team. What are they going to do without hydration? Yeah, just absurd things that came from me coming at it from that angle instead of how do I become the next Adam Schefter, which right. is never going to be my 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 spot in this world. So. It was very circuitous. Whenever people ask me for advice, I'm like, uh, well, you should probably just get your master's in journalism and then go to a small market and then be respectable. Um, I didn't really do that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – was was Second City terrifying, like, to do that? Because, like, when people oh. think of improv classes, like, even me, it's like I have to go – I have to walk in this room and act like a dinosaur or something <laughs> yeah. on the spot. Yeah, you think of Michael Scott in The Office where he just always p- pulls out a gun. It's like <laughs> yeah. the best part of – if you've ever done improv and watching those scenes in the office is it's clear that whoever wrote that 100% went through the process because they always tell you, don't pull out a gun. Don't negate what someone just said by being like, Oh, clearly you haven't taken your pills today. Right. Mm -hmm. Like then you're not playing the game. You're just telling them, I don't like where you took the scene and I'm going to change it. Um, I loved it, but I used to charge my family members to see me do singing performances when I was like five. And I turned a sixth grade school report into the McLaughlin group from SNL, where I asked my classmates questions and I'd say, wrong. So, um, so you're saying you were somewhat of a ham. Yeah, it was a good spot for me, is what I'm saying. Um, I loved Second City. So that like, gives you energy, I, the ability the to. The thing I miss the most is about having what uh, the career I have now, which I love is that I don't have like one night a week where I could be doing second city writing or performing stuff. I just miss it a ton, but, uh, and I love being in a room with funny, smart people and trying to create. And was all that was in LA. Have you done any of the stuff in Chicago? No. So the, the, the closest I got was there was a, um, there's a charity here called Gigi's playhouse. Um, uh, and I believe it was actually, and I, I forget this was a while ago, but uh, had had a connection with Gilda Radner and it's for cancer. And so they had me be one of their like honorees and I got to get up with the Second City folks for this charity event. And mm. so it was like scratching that itch that I hadn't done in forever. Um, but for the most part, I have. And then like around the horn Halloween, basically, I get to. Um, Who are you this um, year? I was. Moira Rose. Moira Rose, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I get to practice the accents and wear costumes and, you know, act. And so that's always fun. Um, But I don't, yeah, I don't get to do it much, which is, which is, which is tough. And I probably could do more of it at ESPN, but Mm -hmm. I would need like 
five seconds to breathe and be bored for mm-hmm. half a second so that I could be like, what's something creative I could do? And unfortunately I don't really have any time now. Yeah. It sounds like, like it sounds like you haven't really slept a full eight hours since <laughs> that is high. the only thing I do is I sleep. You do. Sleep. But I don't nap. I sleep for eight hours pretty much every night, but I don't nap. And in between the time that I'm awake, there's no, there's not really, you know, right. There's no relaxing. There's no slowing down. Is that the, is that the like, type a high achiever part of you feeling like you just always have to be doing more. Yeah. I think it's that I, 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 you know, I use the analogy. I was a heptathlete, which is Jack of all trades, master of none. I don't have to be the best at anything, but I have my hands in everything and I'm pretty good at a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, I just, I do think my, like growing up, we weren't a lazy household at all. Like my parents were professors. Um, no, they're lawyers. Yeah. Lawyers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They have a law practice together. Um, and they are not sit around and watch TV people. That's not to say we didn't. Um, I have distinct memories of watching a lot of lawyer shows. L.A. Law, <laughs> Allie McBeal. You don't get enough of this at work, Dad? I know, right? Like Moonlighting, which was detectives, but similar. Um, and Saturday Night Live. I mean, we did watch TV, but like I did, like I would feel guilty on a weekend if it was like an afternoon and I was watching TV. That's yeah, not yeah. how I would be spending my time. I would be outside exercising or playing or creating something. Um, or practicing my clarinet or singing or whatever, you know, like I, yeah, very like overachiever type a, um, and then, yeah, I've just, I like, I like doing stuff and accomplishing stuff and learning stuff. So, um, I'm getting a little better at relaxing, but I mean, you look, you know, kind of relaxed right now. I'm sure you're thinking about work. I do. I like how I do all my interviews in the bedroom, which kind of maybe makes people uncomfortable. But the thing is, my dogs follow me everywhere and there's three of them. So it's much more comfortable for me to sit here and have a whole bed for them to be on than for me to try to sit in a chair. And then they either try to sit on the chair with me or underneath it or like. So, yeah, I mean, there's one right next to me and then there's one right there and then it's just easy. And there are, are they, they're pit bulls or they're pit bull mixes? Yeah, two of them are pit bull mixes and the other one is probably an Australian cattle dog mix, but we're not sure. They're all rescue, so they're- And those are your, those are your prized family members, right? You're very much a dog I have a husband, he's fine, but my dogs are, yeah. Yeah, the greetings that my wife gives me versus the dogs- (laughs) Oh, yeah are very different. My husband always says that. He's like, I would love one day for anyone to look at me the way that you look at Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though, because they also, they only give you love. They don't give you yeah. any, they don't. It's very you. unconditional and it's very uncomplicated. They right. never sass back. Occasionally they, you know, dig in the garbage, but for the most part, not a lot of conflict there. <laughs> yeah. So, so some of this is making sense now. So both your parents are lawyers and you also in some ways argue on TV uh, yes. about sports. Do you feel like that's where most of that came from or did you generate that yourself? Well, my sister also went to law school. So if that tells you anything, okay. So everybody's just um, bickering back and every, forth at Christmas. No, but that's the thing is it was, um, I do think that there's a, um, just an intellectual curiosity that was around our household. There wasn't a lot of bickering actually, which is surprising, especially that's considering good. that my parents have a law firm together, which means not only have they been married for 46 years, but they've been working together for almost all of those. So which all like day together. is wild. <laughs> I don't know how they do that. Um, but no, there wasn't a lot of fighting. In fact, I famously have 
like I remember the last fight I got in with either of my parents and it was when I was 12 because I made the finals of a tennis tournament and I wanted to go to the school dance instead because it was the last one and I wanted to dance with this boy that I liked. And my mom was like, you have to go to the tennis tournament first because you took someone else's spot. No, I hate you, mom. Okay, that was it. That's literally the last fight I've gotten into with them. So wow. not a lot of fighting at all, but a lot, of, um, a lot of intellectual curiosity and a lot of just conversations are based on facts and logic and you make your argument and your point and you are learned about things so that when you discuss them, you make sense, right? Yeah. We don't really suffer fools in our household. You're not going to get by with some BS that's like completely unsupported and based on nothing because <laughs> somebody else probably did know about that or read about that. Um, and they're going to tell you you're a moron. So um, <laughs> they won't let it go. Yeah. But we're not like, I was just, I've, I've gotten into this like um, mildly dark space during COVID where sure. occasionally I need like the least triggering thing possible. And I found uh, a number of options right now. It's it's watching reruns of Making It with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman, which is the most pure and joyful crafting show. Because that's like them as themselves, like yeah. crafting Helping things in crafters. the woodworking shop. No, like there's like crafters that are competing. Oh, and okay. The I haven't but watched like, it. They joke about how the, the whole point is there's no drama. It's not like tr- like where they try to get people to fight. Like they like literally the British always- baking show, but for craftsmen. Yes, they like love and uplift each other and they make cute crafts and it makes me happy. But the other one is Gilmore girls reruns. And yeah. There, I just watched this episode where like Rory and Lorelai are going to like this Harvard guy's house to do an interview because she wants to get in and the, the table's like quizzing each other. Like what came before the Mesozoic? We weren't like that. Like we weren't, like that at all not like intellectual stuffy annoying just um yeah just uh, people who read a lot and and so i do think that there's like that that um arguing involves intelligence and quick wit and listening skill and in my case for my job also sarcasm yes shit talking which are my love language <laughs> like you like might be one of the, the best in the game at doing that. <laughs> like around the horn is like, here's a bunch of shit I know. And I love when people think I know a lot of shit because I love being a know-it-all. And while I'm at it, here's an insult at you that's mostly playful and nice. But still, I get to get that that shit talking. It's like the perfect combination. It's interesting about the Gilmore Girls, though, because I uh, I was in the Marines in a previous life. And I had one Marine buddy specifically that was a sniper like a decorated sniper and he, him and three, his three buddies got on the news because um, whoever the director or writer of Gilmore girls got word that they had been watching the box sets of Gilmore girls in Afghanistan while they were like Way. essentially in the ship. Um, it's the one from uh, um, marvelous Mrs. Maisel too. It's like Amy Sheridan something or Yes. Something like that. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. But they yeah. they were like getting emotional about it because they had spent their whole time on deployment watching these DVDs for the very same thing, like wanting a like novel escape from yeah. the darkness that is. I life. love that. And Gilmore Girls the- is like so effective at that. It was like surprising. My friend Jeremy played football for Notre Dame and he said when he was there, he's older, like the whole team would sit around and watch days of our lives together like, for <laughs> practice. And I'm just picturing these giant dudes, like worried about Bo and hope, which is the only reference I know to any soap opera. Um, but yeah, a bunch of Marines watching Gilmore girls actually makes me feel really good. It's yeah. very heartwarming. <laughs> it is. So Gilmore girls still providing a service in, after is. all these years. Um, Amy so, Sherman Palladino. That's Amy it. Sherman Palladino. That's the yeah, creator. She writes with her husband. Okay. Gosh. And they, made a bunch of seasons of those and Lorelai 
I imagine you can relate to her a little bit. Like she kind of has a fast talking. Yeah. Like when I was younger, I'm between Rory and Lorelai. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I'm 100% (laughs) Lorelai. And my husband is absolutely Luke. Heart of gold. Just cussing you out. Total curmudgeon. Just cranky ass, but always is going to do the right thing. Would love to own a diner. My husband would probably love to own a diner. Oh, heck Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I actually, um, I read... um, uh, now I'm blanking on her name, the actress uh, who who played Lorelai. I read her book and I was just reading it like, oh yeah, we would be we would be best friends. Yeah, it seems like that's who, that's who she is in real life. Yeah, that that character. Um, so on to the kind of the all the ESPN things you do currently. If people don't know, if you look up Sarah Spain, most often you're going to see videos of her going on very long monologues about your opinions or about your perspective on something sports. Uh, I guess I just wanted to bring that up to say, I wish, or one, I have a question about that. Is any of that ever written or are you off the top on all of that? So especially on off the top, except for outside the lines. So if it's an outside the lines, um, parting shot, because it has to fit, usually I think it's like a minute or two to a minute 20 or something. And it's supposed to be extremely eloquent and like get a point across. It's sort of memorized because you need to get the maximum out of each word because it's so short. Everything else is off the cuff. That's so impressive to me. <laughs> because like, as you said, you're doing multiple pieces of kind of long form media during the day. When are you prepping for this kind of stuff? Like it's not just watching the bears game. It's like learning about these dudes in high school and in college and all that. When does that happen for you? I often want to ask my bosses that, um, (laughs) when am I supposed to watch the sports that I'm talking about? (laughs) When do you put me to work? It really is turning into work. (laughs) When is the prep happening? Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the trade secret is of course you can't watch everything. So thankfully, one of the best parts is sort of institutional knowledge, which has been one of the biggest challenges of this year and coronavirus is the patterns and the rhythms of the year are exploded. Mm-hmm. And so especially we're, we're going to be talking about this on the shows tonight, like with the NBA draft, we haven't seen any of these kids play March Madness. Most of them haven't played in a year. They have That's three super weeks speculative. until the season starts, right? So like we don't know anything about them. A lot of them played abroad. They have three weeks before their season starts. The season is starting in December. Shortened games, a different schedule because they're trying to get more games in one place at once before they travel. Like, there's just so many things. The baseball season, like, it was shortened. There's expanded playoffs. There's this and there's whatever. Um, so that, unfortunately, institutional knowledge was challenged a bit more. Where we didn't, we couldn't bring that and carry over into a lot of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I – the one thing, like I mentioned earlier, it's hard to sit and watch TV. I had to teach myself that Sunday NFL watching is my job because the guilt I would feel about sitting on my couch and watching football all day, I would be like, I got to get, I got to accomplish something. And I'm like, you are, you're doing your job right now. Now sit yeah. down and watch it because it makes you better at your job. And you're yes. not as like uncomfortable through the week if you're BSing because you didn't watch the game, like actually watch the stuff. Um, and so the thing that's tough is that on my radio show, I'm on six to eight central. And then I do prep usually for an hour and a half before. So that means from, you know, four o'clock to eight, I'm either prepping or on the air and then I'm done. And I don't want to watch three more hours of sports and then go to bed. Then I literally have done nothing the whole day except for prep, do the work and then prep some more. So that's when I watch Gilmore girls and like, you know, get, get out of my brain, but you know, obviously Monday football, Thursday football, Sunday football, I'm not as big in college. So I, I definitely don't, 
have to speak on that as often. And when I do, it's more crunching, you know, cramming for that stuff. Uh Um, And then NBA and baseball and everything else, just watching as much as you can and then doing a lot of reading. Like uh, people would be really surprised to learn how much of the job is reading people talking about what teams are doing, what and why it's working and what their strategies are. Um, But yeah, it's, I kind of, I, I describe my day as a Jenga board. Um, I don't know if that's considered a board, a tower, Jenga tower. Yeah, so I'm with you. So if someone pulls out something and screws it up, I'm like, no, that <laughs> half an hour was necessary for this particular reason. Um, and so you, I, I do think that having balanced all the things I did growing up makes it a lot easier for me to do the job. Now you look at people that are really successful in our industry, like Mina Kimes. Mm-hmm. We're nerds. We're all nerds <laughs> who are really good at reading yeah. and retaining info and balancing time. Yeah, I assume people think that it's really just, oh, this person watches football and comments it all week and then they go party. But it's really you're yeah, no. way more in the weeds than anybody yeah. probably has that has that ruined sports for you at all? Like, I mean, it's it's everything no. to you now. No, it's ruined me being a jackass Chicago fan because <laughs> um, when you're doing local, you can get really into your own teams and think everyone else sucks and talk <laughs> shit about them. When I cover all the other teams and have all the coaches and athletes on my show, then I'm like, oh no, they're nice. <laughs> <laughs> like there was no reason people. for me to be so pissed. At them. Yeah, they're doing their best. <laughs> um, like um, Matt doing Stafford, their best. Matt Stafford's always getting sacked, and so for like a whole season, I called him Sack Mattford. And then I went, to, I went to my one of my agents got married, and Matt Stafford was one of his groomsmen, oh, and no. so we hung out at the wedding. He was like the nicest guy, and I was like, shit, I can't call him Sack Mattford anymore. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, though. like Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player, which sucks because I'm that a Bears does. fan. Um. The Milwaukee Bucks are my side piece, uh, which is like, I mean, the Bulls at this point should be relegated. They should have relegation in the NBA, so they shouldn't even be competing until they can get their shit together. So I don't even feel guilty about that one. But (laughs) yeah, no, it's interesting. It has removed that from me from being totally insular to Chicago. I still love my teams, but I'm just, I don't attack other teams for no reason like most people do. And then I'm more respectful um, and fair to other players and teams which is a little less fun and more journalistically sound. Um, but it, but um, the one thing I'll say is it doesn't make me like sports less. It does make me a little more cynical about, you know, how, how much of a money-making endeavor so much of it is and how it isn't as solely beneficial. There are wonderful things about sports and it is extremely beneficial. It's also a, a bit of a rot in our society in a lot of ways, particularly, you know, collegiate athletes that are, you know, enabled and empowered in ways that they shouldn't be versus hmm. also how they're stripped and used as, as unpaid labor. Yep. There's a lot there. Um, more so it's just made me pretty one note and that kind of stinks. Like I don't have time to be on, on top of like new music the way I used to. Yeah. Or I was like a poetry minor, not really digging into that. Big as money in poetry. I do write poetry at least once a year when I do my night before Christmas sports year wrap up poem. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very sportsy now and I used to be a bit more well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess that makes sense. Y'all did. What do you think about Patrick Williams yesterday? So I'm, a, I'm of two minds on this. One is that the bulls have made so many bad draft choices lately that I don't really want to hear about Jay Billis's 10th ranked guy going at four. I want it to be just like, Oh, good. It's the guy everyone said should go at three. Like, let's just trust everyone. But on the other hand, 
my only approach to sports to getting by is optimism until I've been beaten down so many times that it's no longer possible. So like the bears offense and their quarterback situation is like, okay, I got it now. You've beaten me down. There's no reason for hope, (laughs) but the bulls have a brand new front office and coach. Yeah. So I want to trust that a guy who had great success in the past at, at, in the draft at previous teams and seems to have a great mind for basketball made a good choice and mm-hmm. made it for a good reason. And it's going to turn out well. And that, you know, Donovan's going to be great at getting talented guys to play their best. So um, optimism for right now for a Bulls team that has not given me much of late is the way I'm, I'm going with that. And he does seem like a very nice boy. Um, who helped with his mom's flower shop. Oh, wow. And, I didn't read that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So his mom has a flower shop. And so there's all this footage of him. He would do deliveries for her to make money. And so he would talk about like certain flowers need to have the heat in the car. And other ones That's need sweet. To be cool. um, and he's a big WNBA fan. Who's And he's super into Diana Taurasi and like learning from him and would go to all the women's games at Florida State. So like I just love an evolved dude who's going to yeah. be like, you know, a, just a good person to want to root for. So I like that. Yeah. Love that. Uh, let's get away from sports for a minute because um, you and I share some mutual experience with having viral moments in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so back in 2007, you were all the rage in certain circles <laughs> because you uh, had an interesting way of getting into the bears super bowl. Do you mind talking about that briefly? Because yeah. I know I, I read a lot about this and a lot of people get it really wrong. And, right, they do. Um, I will say it briefly and, and I will just give the disclaimer that it's an even less questionable story if I spend a longer time explaining it, sure. but I won't. Yeah. But long story short, I was living in LA. I was working for Fox Sportsnet. I was extremely poor. My friends out there from Chicago that I had met out there, we all said we were going to go if the Bears made the Super Bowl. And so they were way ahead in the third quarter and I booked my flight. My friend from Cornell was like, I live in Miami, which actually was more like an hour and a half outside, but whatever, close enough. And I'm like real dumb. So I'm like, what's a Super Bowl ticket? Like 500 bucks. And I'm like, that's at most. And I was like, also can't afford that because I'm <laughs> poor, but maybe I could, you know, cobble together some Christmas and birthday or like whatever. Yeah. And all my friends are like, oh, we changed our mind. Either I'm going to stay here. Or I'm going to go home and be with my family. Whatever. So now I'm alone. This is like pre where you could just change a flight. Mm-hmm. And I already had like blown all my money on the flight that I like, you know, so I'm flying to Miami. I'm staying an hour and a half away. I have no ticket. I don't, I have no plan. Didn't think it through. My friend from work was like, I, I was talking about my friend from work, how Screech from Say by the Bell was about to lose his house. And so he started a website and people donated money and got a t-shirt and it like helped him pay off his mortgage. So it didn't get foreclosed. And I was like, great idea. But like, why would anyone want to give me money? They don't know me. I don't know like search engine optimization so that they would find a website that I created. Right. I'm telling my colleague this, he's like, why don't you just like go on eBay or something? And I was like, Hmm, I had never used eBay, but I had been a bearish cheerleader for Halloween. My very small blonde friend was a football player mm-hmm. and I'm six feet tall and strong and athletic. Mm -hmm. So I was the cheerleader. That was the joke. So I used the photo of the bears cheerleader outfit and I went on eBay and I said, you know, bears super fan needs date to the game. Um, and I put some like disclaimers in there. You know, I'm just a big fan. I want to go, I'll sit on a peanut cart in the last row. Um, I'm, this is, this is like for fun. I'm not a prostitute. Um, 
went to bed, woke up, had 500 emails. It was on the New York Stock Exchange, like guys posting it. Hey, take her to the game. Or like, and then it was on the Chicago one. Hey, you guys should do this. Um, went on a bunch of radio shows, booked mm-hmm. a bunch of TV shows. It was before things went viral. And it was like, it was novel. Like I remember the yeah. same year, some woman sold space on her pregnant belly for an ad to try to go to the Super Bowl. So anyway, uh, long story short, Axe Body Spray within two days reached out to me. Great smelling stuff. Yeah, their whole thing, great smelling. Love it. (laughs) Loyal to them forever. Their whole thing is hooking up guys with girls. So they said, we're going to send you and then we're going to have you pick a guy to take to the game. Like Axe hooks guys up, you know, whatever. So I ended up getting to take two girlfriends with me because I told them I could pick one. The guy, they flew us out. We had car service. We got game tickets. We partied with the guys from the ad agency. The Bears lost, but we had a blast. And I had about probably 45 to 50 interviews with all sorts of ESPN, radio, Access Hollywood, TV. Kept all the information for all the program directors. The networking play. Yep. It wasn't supposed to be. In fact, I was really worried it was going to negatively affect me because the way people reacted to it, I just was first of all, I wasn't used to the internet, okay? I didn't yeah. know the internet at that time. Now I am aware that it is the worst place on earth. Yes. But I was like, I wrote a fun poem about the Bears. It's a, it's a new Super Bowl shuffle poem. And I'm I'm a big fan. Like, people are going to like me. And instead it was like, you're a whore. And I was like, no, that's mm. not what I was doing. Um, but it all worked out. That's, Except uh, for the fact that it's been like 12 years and people still send me <laughs> messages on Twitter like, hey, didn't you sell your body? And I'm like, yeah. no. Yeah, <laughs> that's – the internet is the worst place ever. <laughs> um, but the the idea of waking up and essentially your life feeling like it changed, what was that <laughs> – like for you i mean i had like a message from my like a voicemail from my sister that was like call me what the hell are you doing (laughs) you know i hadn't thought through the ways that people would negatively react to it because i know myself so i'm like people will know but that's not how people receive hope everyone has a a sense of humor and that is not the case women on the internet are not always particularly well received Mm. um uh but i was also excited because my point was like let me find a way so my plan was to put the thing on eBay and then I immediately messaged like five radio stations in LA and Chicago and said, look at this crazy girl, your own publicist. Yeah. The goal was for them to put, to like send me as a radio station or do a a campaign. Like it was get enough buzz that something happens. It wasn't literally, I want some stranger on eBay to buy me. It's not even legal. It got taken down and I had to put it back up as as if I was selling the pom-poms anyway, Uh, from my cheerleading outfit. The point was, is that everyone was, and like people messaged me, they're like, I'm worried that you're not going to be safe. I'm like, I'm not actually going with some random person on eBay. (laughs) Like this was the means by which to get it seen. The timing was after the game too, right? Like the end Uh, of the auction. End of the, yeah. Well, there was no buy buy immediately prize or whatever. Like Uh there's normally like a number that you put that like people can like buy right away. I did not Uh have one of those. And yeah, the end of it was after the game. So it was like, it was just a means by which to have a place that people would go to. And I put it where people were selling tickets so that people already interested in the game would see it. Um, so I was like, it worked. People saw it. And then I was like, oh, no. Oh, Everyone no. Thinks I'm a whore. super freaking yeah. mean. Um, but it, I mean, it ended up, it ended up being 
an incredibly stressful like three days. And I happened to have two days off of work. So I like didn't leave my couch. I just responded to all the emails and messages and media requests and all the other stuff and tried to work my way through a lot of like the, the radio and, and TV stuff where some of the guys were creepy. They were like, yeah. we want to send you a t-shirt from our radio show. What size bra do you wear? And I'm like, that's not relevant. And let's talk about whether Rex Grossman can be not so terrible that they can win based on their defense, which is the story of every Bears team ever. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it worked out. Um, how did you handle it? Was yours? Because mine was like both positive and negative. It was mm-hmm. also like, to be honest, um, I, I, you know, I was six feet tall when I was 12 year old, years old. I'm super jock, not popular with the dudes. Hmm. Um but there was this weird moment. And even in college, like I started to kind of get my shit together a little better. I figured out how to like pluck my eyebrows and stuff. But That's great. I I, uh, I lived with these beautiful friends of mine. And so mm-hmm. I was always like the guy's friend. And at the end of the night, after I hung out with them at the whole party, they would like literally leave and go to my roommate's room. And I was like, great. okay, right? Like, Message um, received. So it was a very weird thing for me to have the internet telling me that I was like hot. Yeah like a very weird thing for me to have people responding positively. So it was like this combination of like, Oh my gosh, it worked. People are paying attention. Oh, these people are saying nice things. And then, Oh no, it's also very bad. Um, was yours more one-sided than the other? Yeah. It, uh, a lot of the same happened to me because people, once something like that happens, people assume you did this on purpose or, you know what you're doing or you have a team or you've done any of this before. Uh, so, there was a ton of positive, but then there was also right after there, right after a lot of people said, Oh, this is so funny. Then people were like, Oh, this is kind of a slippery slope. Oh, uh, this is really complicated. Oh, I, all these guys, fans are really mad at me. That kind of stuff. I was going to say, cause you're, you're, you're a little intentionally vague in your approach. Yeah. You're not mean, but right. you're also very clearly not like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? like- yes, exactly. And that's why I said I, I – maybe we said this off the air, but uh, that's why I said I really wanted to be you in my times of viral uh, success because you're very good at being like, I'm me, jackass. Like, go <laughs> F yourself. Yeah, uh, and I'm not that. But 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 that is over years of growing a thicker and thicker skin. Yeah. And the issue for you is it's overnight. And that's what yeah. I actually always say when people ask me about dealing with it, especially people that want to get in the industry. I say almost always the amount of attention you get is requisite with your level of fame. Mm-hmm. So as you get more and more known, you're more used to it and more people attack you and you're and also more people are nice to you and you balance it better. The people who go on, say, The Bachelor and like embarrass themselves and get drunk and then the next day they went from zero – to a million people telling them they suck. Like that's impossible. And yeah, that's and the, more like what happened to you where it was like overnight. Yeah. And it, uh, the psyche thing is so dangerous, I think, because the moment you have hundreds of thousands of people saying you're really awesome or you really suck yeah. as a one human brain, it is impossible to say like to compartmentalize all that. Totally. Because well, and it, you're like, I would like to believe all the people saying the nice things, but I don't want to believe any of the people. Yeah. Saying no, they're all wrong. All the people saying way. mean stuff are all wrong. Yeah. And it's, there's no playbook for that. And I, we're not designed to have hundreds of thousands of people to have instant access to our huh? like self-worth. But you know, so that, that's the biggest thing I think that I've had to work through is that, uh, people being mean, just have no concept of who I am or, or what I'm about. And I've 
after doing this for about 18 months or so, I'm a lot better at letting that stuff roll off. But you know, it's still like, I could still have somebody come in and say something real and, and it ruined my day. Yeah. Um, One of the best things for me was the happier that I am, the more I want other people to be happy. And I've noticed this in my life, whether that's finding a husband that I love and a job that I love and, and friends, like once I'm more settled, I don't want to take other people out because I feel great and I don't want to make other people feel bad. So if I think that way, then that's probably how a lot of other people think, which means a lot of the people who are messaging me awful things are just unhappy, right? They're just, they're dissatisfied. They're, they're looking for something. They had a bad day. They have a bad life. Something bad is going on. So instead of being hurt by them, I tend to pity them instead. And mm-hmm. it changes the way I look at the interaction. Now, if they say something true, like you look fat today, I'm like, you know what? It was a bad shirt. And my feelings are hurt because I was already thinking that. Yes, when I saw like my, my insecurities on- were yeah, right at the tip of my spot. brain. Yep, Thank yeah, you. The spot I already worry about. And there we are. But for the most part, instead of being you know, hurt by them or letting them, you know, take up space in my brain. A lot of times I'll literally write back and be like, I'm sorry, things aren't going well. I hope they get better for you. Or like, I just looked at your timeline. It's all just sending people mean messages. Like I hope things get better. Cause like, I don't know anyone Yeah, would spend their day just messaging people. You're fat. I hate you. Yeah. You suck. Like, and it, it, uh, it sucks that, you know, it's awesome to have a huge platform. Like it's really cool to have, reach and huge platform that people think you're interesting or funny or whatever, but it does still suck to have those times where people take their life woes out on you for no reason. Cause it's easy. And it's mm-hmm. like, and I'm probably guilty of doing the same, like being cynical about somebody else because I'm having a bad day or I'm pissed off about something like I get it, but it just sucks. And, uh, but it's also fun. Like it's fun to meet new, interesting people that are doing things instead of just being the freshman at Goldman Sachs, you know, like (laughs) this, even if no one listened to this podcast at all, which not very many people do (laughs) the idea that I can meet other interesting people. I'm not saying I'm interesting, but other interesting people that thank you. Wow. I I was really fishing for that one. Uh, Meet other interesting people. This like gives me so much life to do this kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm grateful. So like it's worth being able to go through that, especially when you're like secure, knowing that you're, have a good heart about things. There are some daily comforts that just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life. Petting the dog, hitting the snooze button, and of course, that first cup of coffee. These are things that you can on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of the email or app service by visiting upperroom.org slash welcome. That's U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome to get your first 30 days free. Well, and I think that's a big part of it too is sometimes those people call you out on stuff and you're like, you know what? That was super hypocritical. Yeah. yeah. That was a dick move of me. And it makes you a better person in the long term if you're willing to be honest with yourself. And if you're willing to change your behaviors based on what you expect of other people. And that's one of the things I will say, like the more I'm on the internet and around other people and see other people's behaviors and judging them for their stuff, the more I have to be aware of how am I interacting with people. And so I can look back nine years ago when I was like, what am I doing with my life and who am I and whatever, and see me just taking shots at people like, you know, 
on TV, someone at some award show or whatever. And like, yeah, yeah, you can still crack jokes and be funny and it doesn't have to always be super nice, but like just mean things for the sake of being mean. I I did used to do that sometimes. And Mm -hmm. it was because I was insecure about my own self and what I was doing. And so I try to remember that when other people do it to me and not take it to heart. Um, And, but also say like, okay, well, if you don't like it when that happens to you, then don't be that person to someone else. Yeah. That that's pretty wise. Uh, it does make you these kind of situations do if you're if you're wise about it it should make you audit your own life like if you're expecting something from someone else or like able to criticize something else you should at least be open to evaluating how you're presenting yourself on the the internet yes internet it sucks though it does suck (laughs) it does suck especially when somebody kind of like uh especially the people that pinpoint your insecurities when like they that. nail it. Yeah. 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 When is, they nail it and you're like, but that could ruin, that ruins several days for me. Like yeah. if, uh, especially when you create stuff, like as I'm sure you've felt like when you feel like you put a lot of work into something and then you put it out into the ether and someone's like, this sucks. Yeah. And you're like, well, you're completely entitled to that. And it probably yeah. does suck. I thought it sucked before I put it out. Can't win them all. Well, yeah. that's the other thing I remind myself of. There's people who will like, go to Giselle Bunchen's page and be like, you look like a dude. So like, there's literally no one, maybe Tom right. Hanks, maybe Tom Hanks. Maybe. There's like, or like Beyonce. Or Barack Obama. Oh, give me a break. Are you kidding me? There's like <laughs> guess, half, half the country can find a, I guess you're right. Um, no, but like, I mean, in terms of people that like very few people just attack for no reason, there's like three people on earth and yeah. it does not include like Mother Teresa. So <laughs> I mean, like, just reminding myself that no one's um, immune makes it easier. You're right. It's like Tom Hanks, maybe Marie Kondo. I don't know. Like who are the oh, God, no. harmless? Oh my gosh. Marie Kondo, when she suggested that maybe you could, you know, not have every book bring you joy. <laughs> Myself included, since my side table has like 35 books just on the table. Next Are you a book hoarder? I am a book hoarder. And listen, she clarified and nobody cared about the clarification because, again, the Internet is about attacking, not about actually understanding. Right. She was like, no, I said didn't say to get rid of them. If they bring you joy, then keep them. Of course. I just said if you're not, you know, but um, yeah, there's there's there really is almost no one. And I think especially there's like this phenomenon. If it's, if it's a woman, as soon as she gets too famous for being likable and popular, people will find a way to hate her. It happened yeah. with like Anne Hathaway and Amy Schumer and Jennifer Lawrence. And yeah, you know, uh, people there's a, a Glennon Doyle was just on my uh, podcast and there's, Oh an wow. Action. Yeah. She's, she's got like been, one of the number one books in the world for like right the now. entire year. She's yeah. been crushing it. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, but there's actual statistics that show that the more successful, wealthy, and famous a man gets, the more likable he gets. And the reverse is true for women. Wow. So and there's people, like data. Yeah, there's data that people do not like it when women acquire too much power or wealth or fame. And so that results in women in general walking around just shitting on themselves to make people think, oh, you don't think you're that awesome either. So like she would talk about how she'd start all of her interviews talking about how she used to be addicted to drugs and, you know, her husband cheated on her. And like, now do I have permission to like come out of and become a butterfly? Because you, yeah. you I have now, you know, I'm a real person and exactly. like things aren't that great. Yeah. So it's kind of fascinating, though, like how that works. Then that sucks because it, yeah. it's based on nothing good. No, 
And we and should we internalize it. And then we repeat it because we know people. And so it's a choice that I have to make and it sucks and it hurts sometimes because there are people like, so on the Levitard show, I love doing that show, but they have a very loud fan base and they have like a whole Reddit where they talk about the show. And a lot of the Reddit is just, we hate Sarah Spain. <laughs> She's full of herself and she yada, yada. And it, that's not who I am, but I'm also like, I'm a shit talking, outspoken, funny, just like so many of the men on that show that are not hated for that reason. Yeah. But people don't like, like that. And it's so the whole but, bossy versus yeah, exactly. leadership thing. So I can make choices that will make people like me more, but buy into that. And then by that, then you're selling out by doing that. I'm selling out. And I'm also telling other women the way to, the way to be is to try to bring yourself down to make other people less uncomfortable or make other people feel okay because they're not overwhelmed by your confidence or your, you know, and so I don't want to do that. So I'd rather have people not like me and give an example of what an empowered woman is who's taking over her space and allowing herself to be funny and outspoken and opinionated um, than the opposite. And so yeah. we'll see how that works. At some point, it might take me right on out of this industry <laughs> and I'll be in a room by myself full of opinions. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at least you will have been real. Yeah. It, uh, does Are you like you said, I'd rather people not like me than be all these things. Like, is that, do you have to work on that? Or is that naturally you're just like, dude, I don't give an F what you think about me. No, I have to work on it. I mean, early on in my career, I had to make that decision. Like when I was just doing local ESPN radio, they hadn't had a woman on in 11 years. So I show up and a lot of people hate me for no reason, but then also people like me because I'm just one of the guys. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this girl's awesome. The cool like, girl. Yeah. I want to marry her. Let, let's go to get beers and talk sports. And then I was there long enough to be like, okay, now I've got enough of a voice that when the guys on the show host, the host of the show are saying shitty things about women and talking about like throw like a girl or she lost her fastball or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go in and turn my mic on and be like, guys, you know, like say something. A lot of people don't like that, hmm. but I didn't want to feel like I was a part of an industry and that I got in the door and then shut it behind me. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to change it and make it better and more inclusive and be like, those are dumb jokes anyway. And they're stupid. They don't add to the product. All they do is make women listening feel like they're not invited mm -hmm. and build on stereotypes that make things more difficult for us. Um, so that was a, a couple years in pretty early on. And from that point on, it was a decision at every turn. What's going to be the best for all the other women in the industry and all the girls and women watching me and all the boys and men watching me to have an example of, of what I want things to be instead of how do I best make myself marketable and rich by, by being the thing that people want. Um, and I also care a lot more about people I respect and want to inspire being like, yes, you're saying the things I wish I could say yeah. versus the, the vast majority of just like the lowest common denominator being like, I like it when she talks sports and looks uh -huh. fun. Yeah. Um, that's a super so fulfilling place to be, hard. to feel like yeah. when people start saying, you're saying things that I, I've always wanted to say, but never felt like I could. I get some of that too. And that feels like that's, that feels like you're actually doing something for the right. world when people it's much are much like, more validating yeah. than just the empty kind of, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And like people don't, <laughs> people should like, if you're listening to this, you should Google, uh, maybe Sarah Spain, women in sports or something, because you're uh, like, you, yes, you just said this, but you actually live this out. Like you're, this is one of the causes that you care about a ton about not even just sports media, right? It's like women in sports in general have historically been 
treated terribly. Mm-hmm. And now you have this big platform where you are adamant about saying like, look, you guys actually need to consider the things you're saying because it affects, uh, it affects the, the whole ecosystem, the whole sports ecosystem. And people are getting actually abused. It's like people looking, uh, you should look up this YouTube video of Sarah Spain and the other more than mean. Yeah. is the best yeah. way to search for it. Yeah. Yeah. If you search for more than mean Sarah and who's the other person, um, Julie DeCaro, Julie DeCaro have these dudes come sit in front of them and read the tweets that people have sent talking about Sarah and Julie. And it is very uncomfortable. Like, because everyone understands that people are jerks on Twitter, but I don't think, they understand the full scope of how people, how mean people are to women in positions yeah. of power or influence well, or entertainment. The other thing is it is such a different experience to read words versus having someone actually say them. Yeah. Even for me. So like over the years I've gotten so immune that I just kind of like mute and block. And it's interesting when, for that particular uh, piece, I went back to try to find some old stuff and I found like, my first week on the job at local ESPN radio, I went to security because a guy had gone to my Facebook, my Twitter, my email, and had sent me all this stuff. Like, I hope your boyfriend beats you. And I hope your dog gets hit by a car and stuff. Yeah. And I was so shocked by it. Cause I, it was kind of like when I learned about the internet, <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, oh. here was another lesson in like, Oh God, all I did was go on the radio and talk about sports. And this guy is really mad about that. Um, and the fact that like that sent me to security to be to be sure I was safe. And then like years later, there's nothing that will trigger me enough to like worry, which is bad. Like yeah. it's bad because someone might actually want to cause me harm and come find me and try to kill me or something. But it's and caused I just you to be so callous to and mute. And so it was really interesting to have a, a guy in front of me having to say the things and how visually affected he was and how uncomfortable and pained they were saying it reminded me, Oh yeah, this is really messed up. Like this is super messed up. And we should do something. We should do something about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just think I was thinking about this earlier today because sometimes people would be like, all you talk about is like women. And I'm like, dude, I do two hours of radio every night where I never mention women. I do around the horn where we talk about men. Like most of my stuff is men's sports. So like the fact that whatever one thing I said triggered you says a lot more about you than me, but also like I'm a woman my whole life. I live this. That's all I get to be. And I played three sports and I played division one sports. And I talk like I work just as hard, if not harder than all of you at what I did and it's not the same as if you did it. Yeah. And that's going to affect me. Like, and I'm going to care about that. Like, that's one of the things Abby Wambach talked about. She got honored at the ESPYs at the same time as Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant. They all retired. Mm-hmm. She was super excited. She felt like such a badass that they got honored together. And then she walked out the stage and she goes, oh, shit. What do I do now? Like, these guys have millions of dollars. They can do whatever they want for the rest of their life. I am also the greatest who ever did what I did. And now I have to start a whole new career and figure out how to pay my mortgage just because I'm a woman, but I did all the same things my whole life as they did. So I do care about that. And I am going to be like, Hey, look at this awesome chick who's doing awesome things. Like we should care about that too. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. So when's your book coming out? Uh, you know what? I have a book in mind and uh, I do, I don't know when the hell I'm going to write it, but I've been jotting down things. You don't Uh, have to write the book. People don't write the books anymore. Find a ghostwriter. 
Yeah, just put out an ad for like the world's most sarcastic writer. Just yeah, like, about to say there's probably not very many few people that could really capture the the whole yeah. Sarah Spain spiel. Um, no, yeah, I I love all the the books that are like vignettes, sort of like the a lot of a lot of women comedians have books in that style. Amy yeah. Poehler, Tina Fey, Mindy Kaling, they're like these short chapter long vignettes. I would like to do that. Um, about my career, but also I have so many good flashbacks from when I lived in LA of like, I was a boxing ring girl in a casino in East LA because they ran out of like Latina models and they said I looked close enough, but I'm six feet tall and the rest of them were actually Latina. I think it was just because my last name is Spain, even though I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like- Not the country. I'm in like a PT cruiser sponsored dress made of bathing suit material. And we all were wearing the same size and they were all like five, three. And then the guy who was supposed to sing the national anthem didn't show up. And my like spokesmodel agent was like, you sing it's on it. resume. So I didn't get in a casino, all Spanish speaking. I'm not Latin. Sing the national anthem. No starting note. Started too high. <laughs> just in a dress made of like a baby it was just i have just some good stories that i think need to get out there yeah um, in a book about sports somehow it'll be a lot of flashbacks that sounds heinous (laughs) what a disaster it was a disaster and you made 25 bucks or what did you Um, make you know what it was a little bit that that the only reason i stuck with that lady who I met like right when I moved to LA through a, a connection from Chicago. I also did the Bundy bounce, like the new Elantra, which is a very dated reference, but I pointed to escalades at a golf tournament in Newport beach. Um, oh listen, I Cornell. was, I, I was into Cornell. I know, I know, dude, that was the best part. I moved to LA. I'm totally poor. And all my jobs were, I flipped a fake plastic egg in a frying pan on Hollywood Boulevard to promote iron chef. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, I mean, the you could only go up from there. That's right. And you did. That's right. So uh, I'm, I've taken more of your time. I'm sorry. Um, I want to ask briefly about sneakers and, well, one about preachers and sneakers. So you found the account. Somebody mentioned the account to you, and I'm not trying to toot yeah, my own horn here. My buddy, uh, Drew my, Worley, I believe. My own horn. What do, you, what do you think about the whole thing? Do you have any opinions about the whole uh, should preachers wear expensive sneakers type? topic you know what so here's the thing i'm 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 pretty much um uh not religious i i dabbled uh-huh. and then i dabbled again with a couple guys i dated that were pretty spiritual mm-hmm. and i have landed upon um just you know general life principles of being a good person that are not rooted in any specific book or mythology mm-hmm. um and so i find religion um occasionally to be useful in inspiring people to do good and quite often the opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly the way the majority of religions see women is not uh, great for me. Um, And so while I think, I think for sure prosperity gospel is complete bullshit and a complete cult where you are manipulating people who trust and believe in you. And I think it's super fucked up. Yeah. Um, So if I feel the same, if the people wearing the sneakers are doing that to set an example that they want then their followers to believe if they give them money and send them things and whatever, then they'll end up being like that too. Then it's super fucked. Now, if you happen to choose to be a preacher and you also like fire kicks Mm -hmm. and they are not related to each other, 
then okay, you, you're allowed to have fire kicks and also be a preacher. Yeah. But I fear that most often the presentation is part of, is part of. Sends a message. The hook that you're trying to, to give. And that to me um, goes against the principles of almost every religion. <laughs> Right, like trying to reconcile the messages that are supposed to be at the heart of most of the religions these people are preaching with the actual reality of what they're trying to get out of the people that follow them is so absurd. Um, It's sort of like recent uh, people who will not be named appealing to evangelicals while every single thing they do is completely at odds with what is supposed to be the life you're living. And interestingly, I did date two guys that were very spiritual one had been a youth pastor which i did not find out until we'd been dating for a bit i knew his religious family but i was like you were legit a pastor what um he got fired for like being seen out drinking a beer with another youth pastor even though they were totally allowed to do that but like some parent was like they're a bad influence yeah anyway that and then the second guy and both of those guys i really believe if there is a god he or she sent me those two people in order to be like Here's great examples of how just saying that you're spiritual and having a very religious-based life does not mean that you're a better person than someone who chooses to be not religious but live by principles that are just rooted in your core of being good. Mm-hmm. Because both those dudes sucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I could see that coming. I could see that. They just talked a big game, and then one of them just like, I'm not going to get into details, but like, ju- they're just they just. Both were not good people and didn't follow anything by what they preached. But then after the fact, they would be able to say, I just know that like I'm working on myself as a person and God is going to show me. I'm like, or just don't fuck up the first time and then have to keep making those excuses where God's going to save you. Just be a good person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> thank you to he or she above, if there is someone, for sending me those examples and just being like, don't stress. You don't have to worry about assigning yourself to anything. Just keep doing you. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, church is full of hypocrites, but I guess that's the whole point is that. Yeah. Then I married an atheist. So I guess that worked out. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, atheist, um, what's the name of the diner owner? Luke. 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 Uh, yeah. That's an interesting, interesting perspective. I think a lot of people hold that. It's just like, dude, we have not seen some great examples of people that say they follow God. Well, and uh, actually Glennon, Glennon Doyle in that book you mentioned, Untamed, has a really excellent passage because she came up very religious and she still considers herself spiritual. But she said the biggest thing that you can see as a warning sign is if someone tries to take the thing you're supposed to believe in and make it be about them or their the space instead of the actual belief. Yes. So like you can only follow God if you go to our church or if you believe our thing, or if you give us money, or if you believe when we tell you that being gay is bad, that, you know, like listen to us because we're warning you. They're not the embodiment of that faith. The faith should be on its own. And if yeah. it's about the faith, then it's not about you. But, and that's the biggest warning sign is when it becomes sort of like this, funneling of a larger idea into an individual or or a business or a space uh, that's yeah. not the goal that's where things get super complicated is when you have like when pastors end up being celebrities now you're kind of elevating a person to the same level as the god that they were supposed to be pointing to or right. like when you have a super huge church that is really good production value and really good assets and campuses and everything now 
it's very easy for it to be about that instead of being about the thing that you're trying to grow in or you're trying to believe. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And it's such a first world thing. Like, okay. Last question. The last real interview question. You talked about fire kicks earlier. What are your, I've seen you wear the bread toes. I've seen you wear a couple other pairs of fire kicks. What's your favorite pair of sneaks right now? And what's your like grail that you're looking for? Um, so I will say that even though I do love fire sneaks, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say I'm a sneakerhead in as terms of most people, like my, my guy, Mike Golick Jr. That I work with who has like the, the closet from clueless, but it's, all, all <laughs> I messaged with him a little bit on, on Instagram. Oh. Cause he started following me. I was like, dude, you're related to the other, the other Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but my, my favorite all time is yeah. The OG one bread toes the classic. Um, but I have a couple pairs of ones that I love. I made some custom Chicago bears one at a Nike event where we got to like design our own. So those are awesome. They've got like, they've got like bears on the tongue and the back and the side. And then they're, they're like Navy and orange. And, um, I like some of the low ones. I've got like golden black low ones that are good for just kicking around. Mm -hmm. Um, I got, Oh gosh, I'm going to forget the name of them now. I got some last year and like, I was really bummed because I bought them right actually this year, right before the pandemic. And I like, don't go outside. Shoes don't matter anymore. (laughs) So I don't, they're the like red and pink Nike and they're like felt on the side almost. Um, Shit. And they have a heart on them and they're awesome, but I can't remember the name right now. Um, It's really bad. Oh, uh, the dunk low strange love. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you seen these? dunks are there oh yeah yeah the pink the pink ones yeah. yeah and they even have like a little like heart that looks like a real valve on it not like a fake heart right 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 yeah dunks are super yeah. hyped now yeah. pretty much like the past few weeks there have been several dunk releases that obviously all sell out but for whatever reason there's a ton of hype around those and yeah. any kind of dunk I, I like i like them and i want to wear them so i don't care as much about like i don't sit and try to like you know, sneakers. I'm yeah. I'm not like what's that thing everybody sits on and and tries to get where they win like the the bid or whatever. Or they like like the sneakers draws. Like you know, yeah, you know that like website that everybody. StockX? No, so StockX you just buy them and you bid. There's yeah. another one where like literally like you wait in a waiting line to see if you got in to buy something and then you get rejected. Well, a lot of sites do that now to try to fight against bots. Yeah, so, like, like Easy anyway, will do all, that. Nike does people, that. All these people in my menchies as a sports person are always posting the screen of like rejected. Rejected. Your selection around. was not picked. Exactly. I'm not sitting around doing that. Like that's, that's a little too much for me. Yeah. Um, so I like them and I wear them. I don't want to just like, I, I made my husband custom Cubs Jordans. Um, I had this, this awesome guy make them and he's like, I can't wear these. Like they'll get dirty. I'm like, but no, I don't want you to just put them on. I want you to wear them. <laughs> like, We'll just get some more if you Did need. Did he end up wearing them? Not yet. Well, good on him for at least wanting to preserve. You know, I get it, but like I don't know. I'm not as into shoes. Like on you want to wear your kicks. Yeah, you're not trying to stock them. You're trying yeah. to rock them. I got there you. There you go. That's my tag. That's me. That's me. My book. Heck yeah, rock them. Don't, don't stock them. <laughs> <laughs> Forward by preachers and sneakers. Yeah, Anyways, exactly. <laughs> cakes and shoes. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sarah Spain. Well, I'm uh, incredibly impressed with you. I'm a huge fan oh, of yours, and even more so of a fan now because you are who you say you are, <laughs> and you don't let anybody off the hook, That's and uh, you communicate really effectively and care about stuff that matters. So. 
Uh, I think people, if they didn't know who you were, hopefully will be fans of you now. What, um, you know, you're really you're on e- say again, you're really good at this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I uh, have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, once you put the reps in some yeah. things, muscle memory, I don't know. some people get a lot of reps and they still suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I, I, I watched some of your podcast interviews. Some people that interviewed you weren't exactly uh, you oh. know, Letterman esque. Yeah. But anyways, so you're on ESPN literally all day, every day. Do you have any other projects you're working on that the people need to know about? Or how can they at least reach you to say nice things only? Nice on things only. So uh, at Sarah Spain on Twitter, at Spain2323 on Instagram. Uh, you know, SarahSpain.com is my website. I'll let it update it very much. And then, yeah, like just all the ESPN stuff. There's other projects brewing, but mm-hmm. they... Uh, Super secret. We'll see when they can be revealed. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Sarah, again, thank you for coming on the show and uh, spending more time than we agreed to take <laughs> with me. But Boy, again, it, nothing going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, all that time you were going to just sit there with your dogs. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's be real. Um, yeah. So thanks again. And uh, this was one of my favorite conversations. So I hope the bulls and the bears get who they yep. want to get and actually turn things around you know Mm -hmm. the bears are 500 right now hopefully they can turn the rest of the year around so thanks again and hope you have a good week thanks for having me thanks for checking out this episode of the preachers and sneakers podcast be sure to subscribe on apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review and share it with somebody love or hate depending on what your views of the podcast are thank you so much for doing that and keep an eye out in 2021 for not only new episodes of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast, but we got big things coming, most notably the book that's releasing in the spring. So keep an eye out for that. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.